We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello and welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the Road of His Overtime podcast, also the co-host of the Stadium Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch. Sean, we are just through the combine, I guess we can say. We're starting to look ahead to the draft. We're going to have a lot of coverage over the next few weeks focusing on the draft, but we'll also have... Uh, it's exciting. I posted it on Twitter. We have a few guests coming up. We're going to be joined this week by Matt Hicks. Some people will know him on Twitter as the FF underscore educator. We'll be talking draft with him, but we will be talking draft today as a kind of precursor to that. But also, Sean, uh, we've we've joked about it probably for a year now. We've joked about it all off season. We've joked about how it will affect the values of the players in Denver, how it will affect the values of the players in Green Bay. But it looks like for the time being... Uh, that it's going to be Aaron Rodgers uh, and Green Bay uh, just before we started recording. So not a huge amount of facts to go by, but looks like he signed a four-year extension with the Green Bay Packers. I have felt for a while that he would end up staying with the Packers. We did a show probably four months ago where I said I was titled and I'm ready to have my heart broken. Um, but I told you before the show, it mightn't be the, the best long-term decision for the Packers in terms of the cap and in terms of how things work out in the long term, but in my opinion, you kind of get somebody like that, you know, once in a lifetime. And I, I think the Packers have been fortunate to almost have two of them back to back once in uh, a lifetime. So they've been very fortunate, I think, riding it out until it's all said and done and there's nothing left on the, the bow. And I think, and we're seeing the New Orleans Saints go through some pain at the moment after Drew Brees retired. I think we'll see similar situations after the, the Packers go. And I did uh, do a tweet after it and I said, this looks like it's all over far now so we'll see what happens next summer but it does seem like for the 2022 season we're going to see Aaron Rodgers play with the Green Bay Packers while we're recording this we're still within the time for the franchise tag uh, deadline to happen and that would mean that it's very likely as well that we'll see Devontae Adams at least franchise tag for this coming season if not a longer term extension worked out so sounds like at the minute that the the tag will be used it sounds like it's they're a little bit off from an extension happening but Obviously, the Rodgers news will 
put some ducks in a row for the Packers. But Sean, I know you thought that he he may end up in the mountains up in Denver. To uh, you know, we, we even did a draft last week where we took Cortland Sutton, and we were like, well, if Rogers ends up there, it's going to boost that value. But it looks like the the Broncos will have to look for some other solutions. What's some of your uh, immediate thoughts to the 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 news? Yeah, and, and Cortland Sutton could still be fine because the, the Broncos are going to add a better quarterback than they had last year. However, it now does not appear that that player will be Aaron Rodgers. And I think this is great for Rodgers. I think it will be better for his legacy than, I mean, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and yet you're still kind of hard-pressed to even say that that helps him out because – you know, when you have that break from an organization, there are such hard feelings there. It damages the relationship with the fans. And it's really the Patriots fans who cared about Tom Brady, not the rest of us. I mean, we, we root against him either way, right? And so Aaron Rodgers' situation here with the Packers and going out to win potentially another Super Bowl, I think it's great for him. I think it's great for the Packers. I think it's great for the NFL. I do wonder in a way if it's actually his best landing spot to win a Super Bowl. I think the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers probably would have given him better teams. And yet maybe the other part that he's looking at, and we've talked about on the show recently, that doesn't matter. You go through the NFC North and you're almost guaranteed to get there. You try and go through those two AFC divisions and perhaps it's not even guaranteed to make the playoffs. Even if you have Aaron Rodgers, they're that tough. And so he's got himself a very easy path. Now they should be in good shape to at least make the playoffs. They're in great shape to again, get a top seed, potentially a buy. And then, you, know, you, have your, you have to play better there in the playoffs, but you had your chance. Yeah, was, uh, I thought you were going to say they're in a great position to get knocked out then after the bye week uh, this coming season. But um, you did mention some of the other teams that he, he potentially was linked with could have went to. I, I definitely do think that you know if you're heading in to play for the Broncos and then you're facing off with Herbert and Mahomes in that division with how that team is doing, and uh, you know I, I just think that the landscape in the NFC is like potentially getting easier i know the winner obviously in the la rams came from the nfc side of things but like if tom brady stays retired that leaves him out of the picture and then you know that playoff picture even maybe starts to get a little bit uh brighter for the packers so i think um i think from that side it's probably the and the legacy part is the big part for me i'm a big packers fan i'm going to hold my hands up that I, i'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan uh, if he left i would have said you know that that's all fair you know it's it's a sports team people are going to eventually leave it's unlikely that a lot of people stay with their team for their whole career but we did see it with Brett Favre when he did leave the legacy side of things then did slide down for quite some time you know that's kind of been repaired now but played with the Vikings you know and, and things like that lots of different bits and pieces that kind of really soured the relationship for the early years and you know for any player and we've seen it even with Tom Brady and the success he had in New England you touched on it there to not be able to stay for those final couple of years. I know there's a lot of money that gets left on the table. And for him, he obviously won another ring. But I do think sometimes, are you better to uh, you know call it quits on the legacy side of things? We see that a lot more in the soccer world where people can stay with a club for a, an entire career. But the other part of that is, I mentioned Devontae Adams and the likelihood that he will be franchise tagged. When you're listening to this, he may already have been franchise tagged. I think there's 0% chance that he actually hits the open market um, at this point. So... Then we look at how things play out. So we had the hypotheticals a couple of weeks ago with Cooper Cup. You know, he was obviously going to be tied to Matthew Stafford and the Rams, and we didn't know what the situation would be with, you know, would it actually end up being Jordan Love or would it just be a completely different situation where he, he does get traded and ends up on a different team? So how are the 
wide receiver rankings looking to shake out for you here? Is there any movement in Devontae Adams now that we have kind of a, a locked-in situation where we know how much him and Rodgers have done over the last couple of years and potentially will do at least for 2022? Well, I think he moves back up to number two and would slide in ahead there of Jamar Chase, in part because Chase is going to have uh, some teammates who are going to siphon off enough of that value. Now, is this the year where Chase elevates and can score in the 2021-22 point per game range? I don't think we can take that as being completely off the table. We're used to seeing the receivers or thinking about the receivers in the sort of post-Antonio Brown peak time period as not having quite that much upside, but but they do. And we saw that with Cooper Cup last season. So if you get the right guy, you can really separate at the wide receiver position in the same way that we've been chasing these Uber backs separating at running back. I think it's still number two, still behind Cooper Cup. Cup has demonstrated that he could score at that Antonio Brown level and perhaps can do it now for several years. I mean, he went out in the playoffs and if anything was even better than he was in the regular season. And you have this dynamic where that three, four, five point separation, even if Devonta Adams has another superstar season, you know, that same kind of thing that we talk about in terms of Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey there is less safe, but has more upside. I think with Cup, you're talking about the safety and the upside in this point gap, but obviously Devonta Adams now a very easy first round pick and Cool to see him back, I think, with Rodgers in Green Bay. There are some other interesting free agents. Uh, Bjorn Yang Barnett has a great article out on the site today looking at the wide receivers, the top wide receivers heading for free agency and where their best landing spots are. Obviously, Bjorn wrote the in-season wide receiver advanced stats column, which was one of my favorites of the year. He did a fantastic job with that. He's got a lot of familiarity with the wide receiver position, so get in there and, and check out that piece on those free agent wide receivers. It'll give you a little bit of a preview, perhaps give you a little bit of an edge in these best ball drafts occurring over the next week. But Colm, you and I drafted recently in a best ball draft, which the listeners know, and we did take cup. And as I mentioned, I think we would still take cup at the one Oh two. And then we got a couple of the big name rookies in that five, six range and call it the big news of this week, probably even bigger than the Aaron Rodgers news. I know not for green Bay super fans, but for the rest of us, we had the NFL combine. Yeah. The combine obviously happening this week. And in terms of how things shaped out, Sean, I, I think that, you know, some of the big news was either very positive or very negative. I don't know which side you want to start on. I, I know we love to focus on the positives here on the, the OT podcast. Are we looking to start off with the, positive outcomes or the negative outcomes well we took Brees hall in the fifth round and we said there's really nowhere he can go but up and then he has that combine right so he runs just under a 4-4 he has a 40 inch vertical that combined with some of his peripherals and if you have any questions about some of those check out the road of his rookie guide both dave cabin and blair anders have great running back pieces in there we know that Hall showed some on-field explosiveness. We know that he had three 1,000-yard seasons from scrimmage at Iowa State. We know he finished back-to-back 1,700-yard seasons, and yet there was still this question of, you know, can he separate as an athlete at the NFL level? And well, 
he can't, right? And so immediately now he's up into the top five dynasty running backs. He's a better prospect than any of the three big names from last season. Now, how is that going to translate into fantasy in the sort of immediate future? We don't know because we don't know where he's going to land and we don't know if he's going to have that same kind of workload that elevated Najee Harris up to, you know, that almost 20 point per game expected points, which then you can actually not perform that well and underperform and still be a very good fantasy asset. But Hall as a talent and sort of his window there to be an elite talent is bigger. So then the fun thing you can do in the exercise I did yesterday for the site is to pull up the combine workout explorer. This is something that Dave Cabin has put together and will allow you to see the players some age height weight information and then how they tested at the different combine uh, drills you know where that fits historically what percentile do those things fall into but then also he gives you the top 20 athletic comps and how those athletic comps performed in their first three years in the nfl so it really gives you this very well-rounded understanding of how the person performed at the nfl combine which is pretty cool because when we're talking about athletic comps it gives you an interesting perspective because these players come from all over the map and they're not necessarily the same guys who were productive in college. And I like to kind of go through this pro process first by looking purely at the athletic comps, in part because we have this great combine workout explorer, but in part too, because that actually gives you context and reminds you that it's a very different story between the guys who were at one level of athleticism who were good in college and those who weren't and so you tend to get the the big names who are drafted early and then you get everybody else and at this time of year that's actually a very valuable exercise to go through because it does remind you okay if the player who just blew up the combine was not good in college those players are not jumping out as comps who went on to be good nfl players and so it can give you a little bit of i wouldn't say skepticism but realism in terms of what we're looking at here but then obviously the cool thing is you do see those big names who are similar in college as producers and then similar athletes. And that can be kind of fun, right? So the number one name here that jumps out for Brees Hall, and obviously when this name jumps out for you, it really grabs everyone's attention. And that is one Adrian Peterson, right? So with Hall, we have 71 inches height, 217 weight, a 439 40-yard dash, 126-inch broad, 40-inch vertical. You compare that to Adrian Peterson, who was just a bit taller, but also 217 at the combine, runs a 4-4, and then turns in a 127 broad, a 38-and-a-half-inch vert. So really almost identical numbers for the mega prospect coming out of Oklahoma, who put up a big rookie season, even though they didn't necessarily intend that. There was a starter on that team who was already very, very good, but then obviously blows up in his second season one of the things that's interesting there one of the reasons that i had kind of mentioned harris earlier we don't know if hall will be that level of fantasy performer is you look back at adrian peterson and despite being one of the three or four greatest pure rushers to ever play the game he only crested 20 points per game twice in fantasy and i say only it's interesting you know again within context that his 2,097-yard rushing season in 2012 only averaged 22 points per game. Again, we say only because we've seen quite a few guys get into that 24, 25, 26-point-per-game range 
in the last five or six seasons. And so again, you do have to catch the ball. Adrian Peterson wasn't good at that. I have optimism that Hall will be better. It's always going to be a challenge to break off the number of long highlight runs in the pros that Adrian Peterson did, but Hall now looking very, very good. Some of the other interesting names that do pop out here, you have Cadillac Williams, you have Marshawn Lynch, you have DeMarco Murray, you have someone in Joseph Adai who was drafted uh, very much because of his athleticism. You have Ryan Matthews, who was a top 15 pick and had a solid early part of his career. Well, these are some big names, and especially, as I mentioned, Adrian Peterson, sort of the headliner. But if you were to perform like a number of these guys, then first of all, you'd be very excited. And secondly, with how rookies are now quickly transitioning to the NFL, and this guy is a very relevant redraft best ball option as well as a dynasty star. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. I, I did see some drafts immediately after the combine when. You know, sometimes it can take a little bit of time for that ADP to settle down, but going, you know, in the, the second round, you know, quite early in the second round, but we'll see how that does settle. You mentioned some of the names, Adrian Peterson, obviously, it gets the buzz, Marshawn Lynch is in there as well. But the other thing you mentioned in the article is, you know, and we've touched on it a few times, but like we love Jonathan Taylor probably more than most people, and a lot of people do love Jonathan Taylor. And I think that. We talk about generational prospects and you know i even mentioned earlier in this show about you know once in a lifetime players like Aaron Rodgers. but i also said that the packers also had brett Favre, which is almost once in a lifetime happening twice in a lifetime so we're obviously talking about generational players we're, we're talking about jonathan taylor and i think that that there still rings very much true but with Brees hall when we start looking into these numbers we look at what he did in college what's the expectation here are we looking like how high are we thinking What's your thoughts, you know, when we're comparing them to, say, a Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I think that Hall comes in about halfway in between Taylor and Harris as a prospect. And again, the, the real advantage that Harris has there is just that they are willing to throw him passes and he didn't have anybody blocking him. So from a fantasy perspective, he was even better. We don't know if Hall is going to be into that situation. We know that Jonathan Taylor came in and immediately had the Marlon Mack and Hines backfield and one of the things that cleared the road for him a little bit is that marlon mack gets injured the frustrating thing from this past season is that he really relegated Hines to the sidelines and yet still was in the situation where he didn't catch a lot of passes now i think that's going to take a step forward this year so he's going to be someone again who just always is good in fantasy but does he have a 25 point season in there sometime i would hate to think that jonathan taylor is going to go through and have a career like adrian peterson where he only has two 20 point per game seasons although again in some ways that's being greedy even to say we're definitely getting one more right because we know that these running backs go down but you look at hall he's in between those two guys as a prospect i do think that he's similar and perhaps better than adrian peterson because again you have that pass catching upside that that peterson just didn't really bring to the table if you do that with what he is as a rusher, then he's going to be very, very good. And so right now, I think we're all on kind of pins and needles to see where he's going to go in the draft. For all the running backs, it's this question of where will they go in the draft, but especially then once you have someone who has validated himself as, okay, there's going to be no question that he can translate what he did in college to the NFL because he's that kind of athlete, you know, then the excitement for it and the draft and you know how that's always Christmas morning, but you're talking about this is the huge present under the tree, right? When you get this kind of a combine result and you're just hoping that 
if a team like the Chiefs has a shot at him that they don't go for, I don't know, this would be the equivalent of like the Chiefs drafting Kyron Williams in the first round instead of Brees Hall, right? So I, I mean, maybe the Chiefs just go back to the, the board and, and take Hall here. Now we know that they have a lot of things to address. They need a third receiver. They have some big parts of their defense who are free agents, but why not? At least you could get it right this time. But I think now, I mean, Hall was being projected as late as the third running back overall in some mocks. He was being projected as a late second round pick again in some mocks. You never know because I didn't think there was any chance that Jonathan Taylor would go into the second round in his draft. But now I think we're looking at some team grabbing Hall in the 20s and then you're off to the races. Hey, RotoViz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year RotoViz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John, I was going to mention it there, but you added in the little joke anyway with, uh, you know, Kareem Williams. He was somebody we did draft and that recent draft that we were talking about that we also drafted Holland. So things may be going in two different directions there as we as we look here moving forward. Um, he was one of the players when I was saying about things may not have gone well earlier in the show that he's one of those guys that it definitely didn't go well for. But there is a number of names. I think we'll stick to the positives. The listeners probably want to hear the positives. So we'll probably all be able to see that the negatives highlighted very much so if we're in social media space but unless you want to dive into some of the players that we we really like that things didn't work for but you mentioned you know four to five names in the article is there anyone that you know really shot that you think may shoot up those boards from you know those drafts a week ago well you and i drafted burks in the next round and he was one of the players 
who was mentioned by Travis. And Travis May has been doing just fantastic work for the site. He's got a, a full flurry of articles to help get you prepared for draft season. He had the winners and losers. And Burks was on that list of losers. But within the context of this shouldn't hurt him that much. But then you go in and you look at some of the athletic comps here, and it's kind of funny because when you have you know JJ Arthega Whiteside, Nikhil Harry, Lake Laquan Treadwell on that list, you know, that's maybe not where you want to be. Those players still are haunting the dreams of a lot of fantasy managers. But one of the things I mentioned, I had the, the freak score article up this week as well. He's still the sixth best freak score in the class because a 455 40 at 225 pounds is not a problem. It's really almost the 33-inch vertical where you're like, mm, I thought he was going to be a little bit more athletic than that. But then in addition to still having the best freak score of any of the serious prospects, the five guys who jump ahead of him there are all players who are more late day two to early day three lottery pick kinds of guys who are now pretty exciting, right? Because they put up very clear NFL athleticism. The question is, would they ever develop an NFL skill set? But Burke's still an interesting guy. He'll probably fall a little bit. He's now much more in the mix with Wilson, Drake London, in terms of who will be the first receiver off the board in fantasy. It's now looking like Wilson uh, has the edge in terms of being the first receiver in reality, unless London can come back at his pro day and put up some big numbers. He was not performing the drills at the combine because of the ankle injury that ended his season prematurely. But one of the things that I would mention here too, great article by Blair Andrews, sort of an evergreen piece. It's in our Rotoviz study hall section. These size production stars, guys who are above 210 and have you know, this immense market share in college are the easiest guys to project to the NFL level. And they're also some of the guys who have the very highest upside. So you know, again, we kind of reference JJ's appearance on the pod and he was saying, well, you know, the size doesn't always show up in his models, but when he's thinking about the range of outcomes and which players are less likely to get pigeonholed into a role that doesn't allow you for as many fantasy points, you know, he's looking at some of these very big players Blair's research and, you know, even going back to all the great work from the fantasy douche, these big guys definitely fit that category. A couple of other names who actually came out and scored huge points early in their careers who show up on this athletic complex. You have Juju Smith-Schuster and Dwayne Bow. Those guys go out and score 486 of 430 points respectively over their first two years in the NFL. So you have the pluses, you have the minuses. And again, that's one of the things that is interesting about going through and looking at the athletic comps is it, it can definitely go either way. You do need to bring that other information into the conversation. And so one of the things here that, that popped out and was interesting is that Burke supposedly also did not impress in the receiver pass catching drills, route running, that kind of thing. And so maybe that ends up as even being a little bit of a bigger red flag. But again, you go back and say, I was able to do what he was asked to do in college as opposed to, and one of the things that we hear every year at this time, and it's been a little bit less in evidence recently as more and more analysts and fantasy players really do kind of move over into this more analytics based space or belief. But, you know, you hear about these guys who were very tactically sound or technically sound in college and that, okay, well, they're technicians. They can do what they need to do. They'll be able to then run the routes that they're asked to run at the NFL level. And so that's going to show up in the pros. 
you know, your question is, well, it didn't really show up at college. If they already were skilled and they weren't good, then number one, were they actually skilled? But then number two, you know, where's the upside? There's no possibility for development. And so those guys tend not to succeed. Whereas sometimes you have players where they say, well, you know, the route tree isn't there. The fine tuning isn't there. This guy needs to improve. And like, well, he still dominated the college guys. And, you know, you're going to continue to progress. You're going to continue to have coaching at the NFL level. If he can make some of those tweaks, then number one, I mean, maybe he can do it without. But number two, if he does improve, then you're looking at a star. That's the thing that we have to take into consideration. So I would still be excited about Burks, but there's no question that Wilson, by running a 4-3-8-40, closes the gap. Colin, the question with Wilson has always been, you know, he is a guy where he came in with this just incredibly impressive recruiting pedigree, someone that was expected to produce right away from Ohio for Ohio State and be a star. He did that, and yet he was overshadowed at times on his college team, and he's not a particularly big guy at six foot, 183 pounds. Now, is he going to have the speed to be successful at the NFL level? And, and really, you know, wide receivers fit into at least two different buckets, if not more than that, where you're looking at big and small wide receiver prospects very differently in terms of what you want to see. For these small guys, we want them to be fast. They're going to need to have that in order to succeed at the NFL level. So for Wilson and his teammate, Chris Olave, to come in with sub 4440s, that was very, very important. And then the funny thing there is that they end up with almost identical physical profiles. Their comps, then athletically, not surprisingly, are also very, very similar. Yeah, I think you, you touched on there the buckets. I think, like, you know, if you're small, well, obviously you're going to need to have something else to, to help you win in the NFL, and that's going to be the speed. If you are larger, you obviously have a chance to still make those plays based on height but ideally we have that combination of, of both and then we're in a really strong strong position i think that um you know when we look at the combine it's obviously a vital part of the analysis process but i do think as well that sometimes we see the guys who maybe have done okay in college and they come in and they you know do amazing at the combine it feels like then those are the guys that tend to get you know overdrafted and and then don't produce at the the NFL level and you mentioned there you know some of the people who are technicians and, and things like that even if you look at some of the best wide receivers in the NFL at the moment and somebody like you know potentially Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams you know a lot of it is done through savvy and right running rather than you know speed and physicality a lot of the time they're not actually getting touched before they, they make the catch so there's that's the part that it's like you know when you say like about measuring something like heart like how do you measure resilience you know you can't measure that at the combines but like you can't measure exactly how smooth of a right runner this guy is going to be in three years time so those things can be can be very tricky you did mention a little bit about wilson there and when we did that draft recently he went three rounds after um burks and that one um do you expect it to be something that you know over the course of the next two to three weeks we actually see that flipper do you still think that wilson will be going second off boards and and these drafts moving forward i think the order will flip i don't think the gap is going to flip to where we see wilson going three rounds ahead of burks but wilson and london have been consistently undervalued in early drafts when you look at where the top wide receivers went last year and then how they perform now 
you're not necessarily going to get Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle production from this year's wide receivers, but the fact that you had these guys go in the seventh round and then produce like, you know, second to fourth round picks means that there's going to be a little bit of inflation when we're all said and done in terms of these rookie wide receivers. And then you look at, okay, well, who are going to be those guys this year and where can we get them and yet and get them on a lot of teams, but have it still be a discount. You know, you're talking about round seven, eight being a decent spot. Now, perhaps before the combine, you wanted to get a little bit more of a discount because there was this possibility that any of these guys could be slow. You know, they could have a combine like David Bell, but for Bell, for example, that was already priced in, right? He was going much later deep into the double digit rounds there. So the very first draft that Blair and I participated in, we got Wilson and London at the 10-11 turn. You know, that kind of thing wasn't available that often, but you definitely want to be set up to try and get some of those guys. And now, especially where it's not as important to get Burks early, I think that you can target all of those guys in that 8-9 range. You won't always get them, but then again, you're not trying to get them every single draft because obviously once you have an injury or something like that, it wipes you out for all of your different teams. But I think the wide receivers are going to be a good price here. We're still looking at the possibility that Wilson, Burks, London could go in the top 15. And if they do, and one of the things that Zach mentioned in preparation for our show today, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, but I think it's very important as we think about the combine and what it means for where these guys are going to be. It looks like rookie wide receivers will be drafted into decent situations this year. And with that being the case as well, you're going to have the quarterback element in all likelihood that makes it so these guys can score points right away. Yeah. And that's going to be, that's going to be exciting. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how that shakes out over the next week or so. And then obviously we'll have the pro days, we'll have the draft and things will keep moving and adjusting until we know the final landing spots. Um, and then uh, well, we'll see how things play out as we get into the preseason training camp and so on and so forth. But I think what you said there is, is correct. I think that for where we probably took works in our draft, I don't think he'll go there, but I think he'll, you know, slide back a round or two, and that's where they'll probably finish up until after the draft. But again, let's see, let's see how it plays out. We did touch on a few articles there. Sean mentioned some of Travis's work that's up on the site. We had Travis on a couple of weeks ago, one of the absolute best at this uh, in the entire kind of Devian and college football prospect analysis side of things. So go and check those articles out up on the website. And Sean also had two pieces up himself this part of the the early week as we record this on Tuesday. So check those out. But lots of content coming out now very frequently up on rotaviz.com. If you want to head on over and check it out, you can do so if you're already a member. But if you're not a member and not subscribed already, you can do so by adding the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout to save yourself 10% on that it'll get you access to all of the content and tools up on the website we will be joined as i mentioned at the start of the show on thursday's podcast by matt hicks we'll be talking more college he has evaluated pretty much all of the the prospects coming in here so he'll have some uh, interesting and hopefully insightful takes as we move forward here for the rest of the week we are hoping that he may also join us on the saturday podcast we'll be recording both of those uh, on wednesday so we'll see how we work out for time, but excited to have Matt on the show. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button over on the Road of His YouTube channel. Head on over, click the subscribe button. The link to that is in the uh, 
the show notes for today's article. Click that subscribe button as we continue to grow our audience over there as well. But that is going to do us for the Tuesday edition of the Road of His Overtime podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, joined by Sean Siegel. Um, of course, find Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back on Thursday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.